0: Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Thank you so much for coming. I am so excited to have all of you here this morning. Um, we are going to spend the morning hearing about some information locally in our city, some people who are involved with um, bringing some awareness. But what I really hope you take away from this not only is a conversation but is the story of redemption, and I think that, you know, we get into hearing about the sin in our world, and we know that there's sin, and we all carry this sin. Um, In fact, you'll see there's chains on the table. When we started planning this event, Abby Bevan, who couldn't be here today, um, Abby said, you know, I envision chains, and sin is like a chain that we carry around, and sometimes it's heavy, and we lug it around with us, And sometimes we're able to break that chain, and I think the only way we can do that is through Jesus. So I'm so thankful you're here today. Um, This was a passion of mine. uh, About two and a half years ago, I was introduced with my friend Teresa to Raise My Head, and Tanza Bauer told us about Raise My Head, and we heard about the story of a sunflower. Teresa and I thought sunflowers were pretty as table decorations, and we liked them, and. I've always thought that a sunflower represented something that was strong enough to stand up even in hard times. But what Tanza told us was that Raise My Head chose sunflowers because it's even stronger than that. You see, in a sunflower, no matter how heavy it is, it looks up. Doesn't need to have anything holding it except looking up. And when we look up, we see God. And we are able to see the God who can take away all of our chains. We can see the God who can take away all of the burdens in our life and make them into a glory story, his glory story. So you'll see the sunflowers, and they represent so much more than just that beautiful centerpiece before you, but they represent looking up. And I am so honored to have raised my head here today and for all of you to hear the story about it. Um, we're going to d- have uh, a prayer, and we're going to excuse you to have breakfast, which we hope that you will enjoy. Um, once everyone's uh, had a plate, we're going to show you a video from our own Libby Derby about what sex trafficking um, has influenced her and what she does about it. Uh, then we're going to have Detective Brett Human, who is here this morning from the Wichita Police Department. Um, Detective Heumann's going to talk about how real this is in our community, and um, he can answer questions if you have them. And then the rest of our morning is going to be dedicated to our mission partner here at Eastminster, which is Raise My Head Foundation. And I am so honored that not only is our founder here, but some of the ladies who are a part of Raise My Head. And I just want you ladies to feel honored, because we are so glad that um, this is something available to you, and that you can feel as loved as as God has for you. So if you'll join me, Gretchen, if you will come up, and Gretchen's going to start our morning off in prayer. Please bow your head.
1: My Father, gracious God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the rain that falls. I want to thank you that it waters the earth. I want to thank you for the beautiful women who have joined us this morning to learn more about your story of redemption, about breaking chains, about the glory story. As Wendy said, Father God, Papa God, thank you for this food. I thank you for the hands that prepared it and these wonderful women who are going to serve us. Please bless our conversations around the table. And Lord, in all things, will you be glorified by all we do and say this morning. We thank you, Father God, with all our hearts, and we ask your blessing on the food. In the name of your son, Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our Redeemer. Amen. Now, ladies, I'm going to to go ahead and excuse you by table, and would our guests at our table here please go first? Go on up. Um, We have plates at the table, so go right on up. Please, please, please. Detective? No. Please, please, go, go. I was joking with Wendy that I could be really mean and just kind of pick and choose, but um, I'm gonna, I'll actually be polite. And um, Marilyn, would your table please go? go. (laughs) Sue, I'll let your table follow. (laughs) And then we're gonna go, Jamie, I apologize. I'm going to actually go around this way. So um, so in a little bit, if, y- if y'all would like to follow along. <laughs> Are you sure I
2: can't
1: get you Oh, and ladies, if anyone would like a little bit of assistance with their plate. We have two beautiful young women. Over here, we have Gabrielle and a- Abby. They would be more than happy to help you if you want a little help juggling your plate or carrying your drink or anything like that. So just make eye contact with them. Louisa, when you're ready. Louisa, when you're ready, you can. <laughs> I'm picking people up, <laughs> I love it. Jane, you can follow Louisa.
3: Do you know there's over 40 million people trapped in slavery today? It can be really overwhelming when we look at the huge problem in our world and we can feel that we're insignificant about doing anything about it. But the good news about injustice is that we have a God who is against it and we can be a part of his plan um, to shine light in the darkness and give hope to the hopeless and restore dignity to all. Can wearing a dress every day do anything to solve the problem of human trafficking? No but the women wearing them can So, every day I put on a dress um, instead of jeans. I'm reminded to pray for them. Um, I'm reminded to tell others about them and to encourage others to be a part of the movement that sets them free. As we wear a dress every day, we are linking arms together to shine a light on the injustice of human trafficking. We can shine a light on that darkness when we are so much brighter together. I've been called to, to love kids and dress them are just another creative way for me to do that. Jesus made kids a really big deal. Um, when we welcome them, we welcome him. And when we love a kid, we are showing them who Jesus is and how much he loves them. There's so many children trapped um, in bonded labor and sex trafficking and even cyber sex trafficking. And when we show up for them, when we say enough is enough, when we raise awareness, when we raise money, we're showing them the love of Jesus. We're showing them that they have worth and dignity. Together, we can shine a light on the darkness of injustice. We can link arms together. And that's the body of Jesus coming together to rescue those who are trapped in slavery, offering them the freedom that we find in Jesus.
0: So if you ever wondered why Libby wears all through the holidays a dress instead of being warm when it gets really cold around here, that's the reason why. Libby did that video for us when I asked her to uh, speak about this because I know this is something close to her heart as well. She is out at the woods with our high schoolers at the retreat this weekend. So if you will now welcome Detective Brett Human, he's going to give us a little bit more information from the Wichita Police Department.
4: My name is Brent Heumann. Uh, like you said, I'm a detective with Wichita Police Department. Um, in July, I will have been a cop for 18 years here in Wichita. Um, with the last six. <laughs> um, the last six have been in the Exploited and Missing Child unit as a detective. Uh, I was promoted in 2012, and went almost immediately to um, EMCU, where we investigate all cases of physical and sexual abuse Um, In Wichita, all Sedgwick County Sheriff's Department cases, and we deal with a lot of the smaller agencies um, in the the county. Um, I believe last year, um, I know our our physical and sex abuse cases went up by, I think, 11%. Um, So we deal with anywhere from 22 to 2,500 cases a year um, that spread out between 11 detectives. Um, We also have our Internet Crimes Against Children unit, which uh, covers the entire state of Kansas. In 2012, um, the Kansas legislature um, recognized there was a problem. Um, There were a lot of groups that had advocated for um, a lot of changes in the state with how we deal with uh, sex trafficking, labor trafficking, and a crime that used to be called prostitution and pimping. In 2012, the state changed the wording um, due to um, kind of the negative connotations that people think of when they hear prostitution, especially when they hear of juveniles. Um, In the the state, we don't have child prostitutes. Other states still have child prostitution-type wording, Um, but we took that completely out of the language to help kind of change the... Perception of what we are um, working with and the victims of these crimes. In uh, 2013, I think, is when I first started tracking the numbers for Wichita. Um, we had roughly 25 cases of juvenile sex trafficking in the state or in, in Sedgwick County. Um, and for the juvenile sex trafficking, I know a lot of people, even the ones that I deal with and try and explain the law to as I'm arresting them and charging them. They think that they have to force somebody um, to have sex for money. Um, in fact, we, I was at a plea hearing yesterday on a guy that I charged from last June. He, up until uh, Thursday night, was arguing that he didn't do anything wrong because these girls were doing it themselves. He was just there, and he was nice enough to take some of their money from them. Um, his attorney... Um, I think kind of talked some sense into him along with his mom, who also didn't think he did anything wrong, but she didn't want to see him spend the next 50 years in prison. So he took a plea deal, and I think he's looking at about 20 years. Um, But his hang-up was he didn't do anything wrong. He, you know, they were going to do it themselves, so why couldn't he profit off of it? For adults, we have to prove force, fraud or coercion to charge them with human trafficking uh, in the state and at the federal level. For juveniles, I don't have to prove that. I don't have to prove that there was any force. I don't have to prove that even that they knew they were under 18. All I have to prove is that they somehow benefited in any way from someone having sex for money or anything of value, which has made my job significantly easier. Um, But with some of the changes that the federal, uh, that Congress has passed, has also made it more difficult. Uh, with some of the uh, changes in the last almost 20 years that I've seen Uh, when I first started I worked uh, the South Side of Wichita uh, which some of you may know uh, North Broadway South Broadway are prime corridors for street-level prostitution Um, that's pretty much gone away almost everything we do is online and we had what was the probably biggest trafficking site in the world Uh, which was Backpage.com, was shut down in April of last year. Uh, The federal government finally got sick of what they were doing and profiting off of women and children, and the FBI and Department of Justice actually seized their entire website and charged the CEO and someone else, uh, one of the other founders of it. When that happened, um, there was a lot of, excitement people were very happy that these guys were finally brought to justice and that uh, their website was shut down i had some concerns with it because i knew i could very easily go to one single website and find any girl that i was looking for because i knew who they were i knew how they were posting and it made my job easy and Backpage, uh, being a horrible horrible organization knew that if they cooperated with law enforcement that there would be less likelihood of them getting charged and they could come in and say, look what we do, we help. Now I have over 15 different websites I have to deal with. With Backpage closing down, um, like I said, there's 15, at least 15 different websites operating um, where people are posting women for sale and children for sale that I have to search through just in Wichita. I know across the country and across the world there are additional. Um, but with the sex trafficking um, bills that Congress passed last year that closed Backpage Down, um, all of these websites are now overseas. And these websites do not have to cooperate with U.S. law enforcement. There are some of them that uh, you know are very blunt about They will not cooperate with U.S. law enforcement, and um, they are a pain to deal with. There are others that say that uh, they do not deal with uh, juvenile sex traffickers. They don't tolerate pedophiles, and they will cooperate, uh, which is nice because they're some of the bigger ones we deal with in the area. I can send them an email, and within about a week, they will send me every bit of information that they have on whoever posted the ad without any need for a search warrant, subpoena, or anything else because they're based in Hong Kong or they're based in the Netherlands. So some of the other things um, that that we work with here is um, I hear pretty regularly that Wichita is in the top ten in the country for sex trafficking. Wichita does have a problem. Every community in this country does have a problem we do not hold a candle to the east and west coast. Uh, There is an organization called the Polaris Project that tracks um, sex trafficking reports across the country where they take local law enforcement reports and they also run a tip line for sex trafficking that they send uh, us out the information and they do kind of a heat map of the country and if you look at California down the coast it is bright red all of the east coast, basically from the Mississippi River east, is pretty bright red. Um, and then you can look at Kansas, and we've got a dot over Wichita, we've got a dot over Junction City, Kansas City, Topeka, and you can kind of follow it down through Oklahoma and Texas. Um, that is where our problem comes in. We have the same system that drug traffickers use, is the same system that our sex traffickers use. Uh, they will travel I-70 and they'll travel I-35. So there are uh, programs that I use where I can track throughout the country. Um, if someone posts here, I can go back and historically look at uh, where else they've posted. There are a couple of different organizations that use web crawler software where they actually catalog and store these images, these these ads, um, which helps sense... The companies or the websites themselves don't have to help us anymore, and I can watch them go from Kansas City to Topeka to Wichita, to Oklahoma City, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and back. Um, the The area that we that we live in, um, some kind, sometimes called an originating uh, state, unoriginating where we don't have, uh, we're not like Las Vegas, we're not like New York, where people are going there to traffic kids. We have local kids going to those other areas. Um, A large majority of the victims I deal with are coming out of the state foster care system. And that is not a knock against the foster care system. Um, I think the whole system's broke personally. But um, I work in my office with DCF, with St. Francis Community Services, with other organizations, they're trying. They're they're doing the best they can with the system and the rules we have. Um, But when we have kids who have a history of sex abuse, have a history of physical abuse, have a history of neglect, those are the vulnerable kids. They get placed into an overwhelmed foster care system And it is easy pickings for um, a trafficker who knows what they're looking for. The traffickers we're dealing with are not the ones we see Facebook posts on and Twitter posts of their snatching kids out of the Walmart. Um, We have had two posts this week that I get emails on every day about uh, the 21st of May's Walmart is now a hub for sex trafficking. It didn't happen. Um, it's been shared, I think 10,000 times between the two of them now. Um, there was never a police report made. There was never a report made to Walmart. Um, I've contacted, I've contacted them. It just, it never happened. Um, I don't have a single report in the last six years of a kid being snatched out of a Coles, Walmart, Target, town, west, town, east. Um, I can tell you it is much easier than having to go physically kidnap a kid, um, with the amount of technology that we allow our kids have to have at their access and at their fingertips with absolutely no parental supervision. Uh, Even kids who have a two-parent home, who have very attentive parents, we are putting the world in their fingertips with their phones and their tablets and their access to computers. Almost every case I deal with starts on Facebook. Almost every case I deal with starts on social media, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, um, where we have kids who have their phone all day every day and can talk to anyone in the world that they want to. Facebook, I believe, still has a limit of 5,000 friends that you can can have, and most of the kids I deal with are 4,500 to 5,000 friends. These are people they've never, never met in person. They don't know anything about other than they hit accept when someone sent them a friend's request. When we are allowing that, we are allowing someone to access a kid who may have mental health issues. They may have esteem issues where we have a very, very manipulative very charismatic person telling them how beautiful they are, how, how much they can take care of them, how much they want to be with them. And I have seen it within a matter of 48 hours from a friend's, ex- a friend's request being accepted to a girl sneaking out of her house to go meet this guy, knowing nothing about him other than what he has told her. And this is the same way our, um, Pedophiles are looking for child porn or looking for other child sex victims. They're using the exact same thing, and they are just as good. But social media is the biggest recruiting tool we have to get these girls. And I say girls because out of the, I think, 300 cases roughly now that we've had, I think I've had two that have been boys. I don't think that um, we've only had two male victims in Sedgwick County in the last six years but it's a underreported statistic for sex abuse, which tells me it's an underreported statistic for trafficking. Um, I know it's out there. It's just not being reported. And I don't have an answer on how to try and find them. I don't have an answer on how to try and stop it. Um, When I talk to parent groups um, in our internet crimes, detectives talk to parent groups, Uh, the biggest piece of advice we can give them is monitor your kids social media and uh, my wife is an internet crimes detective and she gives uh, the same presentation I do sometimes and um, we hear parents tell us you know they want to give their kid privacy they want to treat them like an adult and uh, I don't agree with that your kid can be the best kid, straight A student, completely honest with you, doesn't hide anything, and they can become a victim of somebody. Maybe not trafficking, but they can, they can be manipulated into um, other things to become a victim. So for anyone who does have kids, um, especially teenagers, monitor their social media, check them. Um, we actually have a written contract that we do with our kids uh, for any of for them when they get to the age where they can have tablets or cell phones where we explain to them that that's that's our property and we'll look at it when we want to. Um, these are things that are acceptable these are things that not that are not you won't have your phone in your bedroom you won't have a tablet in your bedroom uh, especially with the door closed and um, you don't accept friends requests or talk to people you don't know and that we don't approve of. So when it comes to, to trafficking, um, the, some of the other myths that, myths that we see, um, and they're well-intentioned, I know. Uh, I know Homeland Security, um, Department of Homeland Security has a campaign called the Blue Campaign. Um, they do a lot of posters, a lot of awareness, and it always shows um, very broke down, very um, kind of get your attention images on what sex trafficking is. Once again, we don't see that. We have the girls who are manipulated that think they're in love with their trafficker. Um, That's the the primary tactic we see here in Wichita. We don't, at least that I've dealt with. I don't have a lot of the uh, guys who are starting out by physically beating these these girls. Um, We do have it. It does happen, and um, they can be very, very brutal. But generally before that, it's the, you know, I love you. I'm here. I'm here for you. I'll do anything for you. Will you do this for me? And it's that, that manipulation that will happen primarily before the physical, physical abuse. The girls we see aren't the pretty woman stereotype where they're, um, dressed in the, you know, the sequin dresses or anything crazy like that. I've seen that one time in 18 years. Um, on the street, and that was a 14-year-old girl who saw Pretty Woman, and that's what she based what she was going to do on. Um, my lieutenant about wrecked his car driving by her on South Broadway at midnight um, because he he couldn't believe what he was seeing. Um, it's a girl in, in, you know, pajama pants or sweatpants and a hoodie that... You know, could be could be confused with any of our daughters out there. Um, they're not drawing attention to themselves generally. Uh, we do hotel presentations trying to, to teach some of the hotel owners and hotel workers what to look for. And it's just so subtle that it's hard to tell them, you know, this is what you're looking for. But I tell them, you know, you see a girl coming in at 11 o'clock at night that's kind of looking confused, looking for where the elevator is. That's the girl you need to be looking for. And, and that's, that's about the best piece of advice I can give them. Um, for groups like this, um, there is no, there's no set, this is what you look for, because you can be at Walmart and it's the girl getting her nails done. That's not going to draw attention to anything. And it's the girl going in buying makeup. Um, what I can tell you is if you do have a concern, report it. Um, there's some of us that are mandated reporters through the state where by, by statute, I have to make a report. Um, whether I have any proof or not, I would rather come in, interview a girl, find out, no, there's nothing going on, than know that 50 people have walked by her that could have reported it and she's now in the wind and I don't get a chance to talk to her. If you have a concern, you can call 911, you can call the DCF 800 number, or you can call the uh, National Center for Missing Exploited Children, or you can call Polaris, who does a National Human Trafficking tip line. Um, Anything other than 911 is a delayed response, even uh, DCF. Um, They say that they have like a four-hour turnaround, Uh, but if you call at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not going to get that report until... Uh, probably 10 o'clock the next morning, if then. Um, so if you have concerns, 911 is the best. And if, you know, if we have an officer drop the ball, then that's, that's on us and I'll address that issue. But that way, at least we have the opportunity to try and come in and talk to them. Um, I could go on and on, but are there any questions, specific questions, general questions? I'll answer what I can. When a woman is arrested for trafficking, sex trafficking, what kinds of materials do you know to provide those different options that she has? For... She asked when we arrest a woman for prostitution, um, which... Like I said earlier, we don't, and you know, we don't we don't have that statute. We don't have that city ordinance anymore. It's now called unlawful sale of sexual relations. Um, several years ago, there was a program called Project Butterfly. I think that's still going. I can't tell you for sure because I've been out of that portion of it for quite some time. Um, so I'm not really 100 certain. Um, generally when we make an arrest in my unit, it's for sex trafficking and it is for pimping out another kid, a kid. Um, so there's not a whole lot we're going to give them other than, you know, I will try and talk to them, figure out why. Um, we have in the past and I'm sure it's going to continue. Um, we get accused of being kind of heavy handed when we arrest women for tra- for, for trafficking other women. Um, I can tell you, it is not something that I take lightly. It is not something that the district attorney's office takes lightly. And we do look at it at a case by case basis. Um, we have charged juveniles. I have charged a 16 year old girl with pimping out other 16 year old girls. I hate doing it. Um, and what we do is we look at a total totality of the circumstances, um, and look at what has been done to help that kid in the past. If we have a 16 year old girl that comes in and she's been recruiting and helping other girls work and that there's been nothing done to help her there is a very high likelihood that she will not be charged. She will not be arrested. If we have a girl who has been given every opportunity that we can to get out of that lifestyle and do, you know, everything we can, there's a point where we have to say enough's enough. And there is a, a uh, United States attorney that I work with very closely. Um, I'm also assigned over at the FBI as a task force officer to the Human Trafficking Task Force. And I do presentations with him occasionally. And he probably puts it best that when we have a kid who is forced into a gang at a young age, he wanted no part of it. He didn't ask to be a part of it, but he was forced into it. And as he moves through that lifestyle, do we allow him to go do drive-bys and participate in violent crime and not charge him because he was forced into it? Or do we at some point have to hold them accountable? And unfortunately, at some point, we have to hold people accountable and Both the U.S. Attorney's Office and District Attorney's Office, I have talked to at length on multiple occasions on multiple different cases as to what is the best outcome when we charge a juvenile or we charge someone who is now an adult but was a prior victim. Every case is different and every case is is difficult because there's a a good likelihood that I have worked with that, that person as a victim at some point. And I don't take any pleasure in charging them. I don't take any pleasure in them sitting in jail. Um, Usually the district attorney uh, takes those cases and will offer them a deal. Um, So my only hope in those, those situations is that there is something done that gets them out. And if we can get a lenient charge that kind of gives them a wake up, but also gets them out of that lifestyle, um, that is usually the best possible outcome.
2: <laughs> Do you foresee, here in the near future, a advocacy program for these uh, teenage girls and women? um? to talk to another woman um, because of the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment and they
4: don't know um, how it's going to be taken. She asked about any, any particular uh, future advocacy programs that I may know of. Um, at EMC, we work out of the Child Advocacy Center. Um, we have five full-time advocates that are not associated with law enforcement. They actually work for the Child Advocacy Center. Um, I have one that is assigned to every one of my cases and she tries to work with the girls. Um, she's young, she's very good, um, but that part's limited, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. They, they try. Um, we also have five full-time therapists on staff, um, and. I try and talk whether I can identify the girl as a victim or not, if I'm talking to the girl and I think there's an issue, um, which is probably why they're talking to me. I try and get every girl I talk to into therapy. Um, because like I said, most of them have at some point had some type of trauma in their life. And for a teenage girl who's coming and talking to me, they may not tell me, but I'm hoping they will tell therapist. And whether or not a case gets prosecuted, a case gets charged, I identify a suspect, I don't care. Um, I mean, I, I do. But the primary goal is to get that girl help. Um, Big Brothers and Big Sisters is working on a mentoring program. Um, last I heard, they were still working on, on trying to get a mentor, uh, some type of mentorship. Um, but we need more. We, we do need more. We need better better advocacy programs for these girls, especially the 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. Um, really, realistically, even I mean, the adults. We need we for everybody. Good. Yes, it can be. Um, like I said, a, a, a large majority of the kids that we deal with are in the foster care system. Um, I think the, one of the s- national statistics I've seen is like 79% of sex, juvenile sex trafficking victims uh, come from the foster care system. I'd say that's probably pretty accurate. But I have worked with kids who are living at home but have very little parental supervision and they'll tell the parents either I'm staying at my friend's house or the parents just don't care and let them do whatever they want. And um, they'll go do what they're going to do and then they'll come home and the parents are, are totally oblivious to it. Good. You're next. No, most of what we see, at least most of what I see, oh, she was asking if we have people that are recruiting other people to go into the high schools to recruit kids. Um, Most of the recruiting I see online is um, guys who kind of take the shotgun approach. Uh, We got a guy that's um, now in federal prison that we did a warrant on his Facebook, and in like a two-week period... We identified over 70 women that he had tried to recruit. And it was, he didn't care. I mean, he, like I said, he took the shotgun approach where he was going to become friends with as many women as possible and ask each and every one of them if they would be willing to work for him. And he is one of them that within 48 hours had people agreeing to meet him. He also had women who were obviously saying, you know, No, and not being quite so polite telling him to leave them alone but most of what we see is the direct recruiting Um, if we have the recruiting for in the high schools um, it would be more of kind of an in-person recruiting for my boyfriend type thing where girls are trying to get their their friends we see that more like I said, in the foster care system, either at juvenile detention or group homes or, or things like that or we're getting that kind of direct in-person recruiting.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you're aware. And I think most people are, but they have no idea. The parents, I think, in general, like
4: you said, smart kids, straight kids, kids that seem, you know, but it's, like you said, so manipulative, and they just don't, I don't think, they don't understand. They monitor. Right. Um, 259 actually has a curriculum now, required curriculum, where I think ICAC, our Crimes Against Children, come in. They do parent presentations and student presentations um, much more than I do. Um, it's not generally coordinated through the SRO. It's usually the high school, high school, middle school, grade school principal um, that will set these up. Um, for the high schools, um, I'm gonna be in South High this week. I'm going to be in North High the next week with ICTSOS doing um, presentations to, I believe, all the freshmen in both schools. Um, so there are groups that go and try and talk to the kids but not so much the parents um uh, we'll talk to parents know jennifer white with icts she'll talk to anybody that will listen um so if if there's a a specific specific request from a school to her which is usually where i come in and help her also um or directly to us we'll talk to whoever um, to try and at least get awareness for parents on what they need to look for. So how would a
1: PTO um, contact, how would we go about contacting
4: to request someone come speak to a PTO group? Uh, Contact ICTSOS directly. Um, Jennifer White is the founder and she responds to all the emails, all the phone calls, and she has a full-time staff. She's a nonprofit that works out of our building, but she has a full-time staff of her own that does nothing but education um, and presentations a recovery
5: program for the trafficker, the person that is out soliciting, is there, I mean, once they are in prison, is it in release, do they go back into it? Or is there some kind of
4: program that kind of rebuilds them? Um, That would be a program in prison, and those are few and far between. Very few. Very few. I mean, and, and they're going to be any just general prison rehabilitation programs. And prisons, like everything else, are funded by government money, and they're going to cut whatever they can. And there's not a lot of rehabilitation going on in prison. It has to be, you know, if, if someone wants to go to high school or college while, while they're in prison and they have that drive, they, they have that self-initiative, they can do that, but the prison's not going to try and... The prisons aren't going to try and help them. I just, no, the only thing that's helping the circle of the crime is that these guys are getting significant prison sentences. Um, since January 1st, we've had one guy sentenced to just under 50 years in prison. Uh, he was 33, 34 years old. Um, he got convicted on nine counts. Um, so he, he's not going to get out of prison. Um, the guy that took a plea deal yesterday on two counts—he's looking at anywhere from 12 to 55 years in prison. Um, he's 22 years old, so when he gets out, um, you know, he may be 33, 34, 35 years old. I—I um, I don't think prison's going to do much for him. He—he he would have to go through and have the initiative to try and find. Um, either a sex offender type program, something, a job program. And I just, I don't think that's happening much in prisons. They should have something. I would, I would love it if the prisons, yeah, I would love it if the prisons had a job program, training program, therapy program, rehabilitation program for every inmate that went in there. They don't, they're underfunded, they're understaffed. It's it's a yeah it's a lockup. It's just a, a warehouse to keep people out of society until their sentence is up, and then they, okay. then they yeah then they put them back and wonder why they reoffend. Good. When you say monitor your child's social media, what kinds of things would you want a parent to look for? Um, anything and everything that's in there. Um, there are uh, both in Snapchat and in Facebook, there are secret messages, um, that do end to end encryption. So that even law enforcement can't get into them. Facebook, Snapchat can't get into them. Um, so uh, they, they go away after I believe 24 hours. Uh, but look at their messages, look at their friends, look at their comments to each other, look at the pictures they're posting. Um, Anything you can see, look at it. Um, My oldest daughter uh, just graduated high school last year. When we allowed her to have Facebook, um, the deal was you have to know every single person on there. And I want, if I go through and I ask you, how do you know this person? I don't want it to be I met him at Quick Trip. I want to know how you know them. And we got kind of lax as she got, more mature and we had some some more trust in her we got kind of lax in checking it and i have fake facebook accounts i have fake twitter accounts i have fake snapchat accounts um, where i'm like a 22 year old brunette woman Um, (laughs) so that's the other thing we tell kids is you don't know who who's actually on the other end because like i said i'm i'm 22 years old um I looked through hers and she had like 700 friends. And what caused me to look through it was I saw a mutual friend. she popped up just so I was looking through um, some people. I was just kind of backtracking on a case. And I saw her picture pop up as a um, suggested friend or mutual friend or something. So I started looking through and she got called in that night and we knocked that down from like 700 to about 250 because she was at the time working at a clothing store in the mall. And it was, oh, I met him at work. I met him at work. I met him at work. Sure, you did. Delete him. Go ahead. Are you currently doing anything with the foster care system in educating about the social media issue with the kids? We try. <laughs> um, what, like- but with, the with the state of the foster care system in Kansas right now, there's been some some pretty big media stories, where Johnson County, Sedgwick County, um, they have kids sleeping in the office at night because they don't have they don't have beds. The state's foster care system is privatized, so they do St. Francis Community Services in this area, um, KVC in other parts of the the state, and We've tried. We've tried. Um, there's just, I don't, I don't think it's a lack of interest. I think it's a lack of time and, and things like that. For kids in the foster care system, who pays $45 a month that have a phone? Usually the state. Or the kids are getting their phones from friends and things like that. They can get a phone that is a Wi-Fi only phone where it doesn't have actual phone service and download texting apps so all they have to do is go somewhere that has free wi-fi and they can message through facebook through TextNow, things like that yeah, so there's ways to get around, it. To get around it yeah phone? there's a lot there's a lot to do they i mean the state system will pay for their phone they get a certain amount of money each each month we have one more question for a detective human. Good. What's the best way that you've seen the most effective therapy to really help the girls get out? Is it like a residential treatment for a couple of years? What, what's the best therapy to help them get out? It is going to be dependent on each individual kid. If we have uh, there's a she's she sixteen now, um, that I'm working with That we just picked up this week. Very smart girl, kind of easily influenced. Um, And we're trying to right now figure out what the best plan for her is. Um, It's not a kind of one-pronged approach. It's we need therapy. In most cases, we need very intense therapy. We need drug treatment. We need uh, mentorship. We need basically a lot of people giving these kids a lot of attention because they need it, especially if they're coming from the foster care system. They don't have parent, a parent figure. They don't have a, a you know, a, a structured family. So they need those people that are going to hold them accountable, that are going to have expectations, that are going to tell them when they do good, that tell them when they do bad and just try and work with them. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing, is we just need a, a lot of people surrounding these kids.
0: I think it goes without saying how much we appreciate you, Detective Human, not just coming here today to bring us some awareness. But thank you so much for your service. 18 years in the Wichita Police Department, that's pretty amazing. So if we can give another big round of applause to Detective Human. I know my own daughter is probably thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my phone for the rest of my life after all this." <laughs> so, you're here because um not just this subject, but also because um Raise My Head Foundation is something that just suddenly was it started a fire in me. I became very passionate about it, and so I am very honored to welcome Vicki Bond, who is the founder of Raise My Head Foundation, here today, who's going to tell us more about what they do.
5: Good morning. Can you hear me? All right. Um, I'm Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, Bond, just like in James Bond. <laughs> I um, am the president of the board for Raise My Head Foundation. I'm also the founder of Raise My Head Foundation. And we have an executive director, Pat Jones, um, who used to be with Dress for Success for about 11 years. So I feel like we're in good hands right now. Um, Today, I just want to introduce us. I just want to tell you who we are, what we're about, what we do, what we're passionate about. and I do have a, a slide um, presentation for you. It's just a PowerPoint, but I um, I want to tell you about my journey a little bit before I start this, because my journey is not on there. And a lot of people ask me what brought you to this. Um, I um, my journey started in 2012, about the time that the state laws were changing in the state of Kansas. Two things happened to me in 2012 that were very significant. One was that I sold a small business that I had kinda grown from a baby into kinda something that was good uh, for the state of Kansas, had nothing to do with trafficking, had everything to do with checking out physicians for hospitals before they brought them on board. And I grew it to about 30 hospitals. And then I sold that company to the Medical Society of Sedgwick County. That happened in 2012. The second thing that happened in 2012 is that I had twin boys. Uh, They were the youngest of my children. And they graduated from high school. And they went to college. And my husband began to look at me and say, you're going to need something to do. And I said, yeah. I am. So um, we went to my church. Um, we had a uh, singer-songwriter. Her name was Ashley Cleveland. She was a Grammy Award-winning um, singer-songwriter out of Nashville, Tennessee. She brought her guitar, and my husband said, let's go to this concert at the church, and she dedicated a song to the women of the House of Magdalene in Nashville, Tennessee. And my husband did what all of us do. He Googled it, and he started scrolling through his phone, and he said, I think that you should go look at this program in Nashville. I want you to take some of your girlfriends, and I want you to go. And I did. I took two of my girlfriends, and we went, and we were just immersed in a program that um, touched my heart. And... Um, 2014, uh, I was going through something called Leadership Wichita. I was just in the beginning stages of, of trying to figure out what was going on in the city. And I was awarded this award that they call Women in Business Award uh, through the, I think it was Wichita Chamber of Commerce. It might have been the Journal. Don't quote me on that. I, I get those two mixed up sometimes. So um, anyway, uh, I, I began to notice that trafficking is an issue in the city of Wichita. And I said, well... Uh, What's being done about it? And they said, well, Vicki, not much. We don't know that a whole lot's being done about it. Uh, There's a lot of awareness being brought and attention being brought to it. But I said, who's providing the solution? And they couldn't really come up with anything. So I said, well, I was at this program in Nashville, Tennessee. I said, I think if they can do it in Nashville, Tennessee, we can do it in Wichita, Kansas. Now, they've got some things in Nashville that we don't have. They've got a great transit system that runs 24-7. It just runs all the time. We don't. Um, They've got um, what they claim to be the city that has the most nonprofits in the city is Nashville, Tennessee. We have the most nonprofits per capita in Sedgwick County than any other county in the nation. So we are number one in that regard. And what that means is that we're vying for a lot of the same dollars, right? We're, but Raise My Head Foundation doesn't do what, what a lot of organizations do. We do not take state funding and we do not take federal funding. I said if the, if the community has a problem the p- community needs to provide the solution and uh, and so all of our support is based on women like you. Um, and a community that loves us. I, I've got to tell you that when I first walked in today and I saw all the sunflowers, I don't think I've ever felt so loved by a community than, than what I felt this morning. And I think the women really, I've raised my head foundation, really said, wow, this is awesome. So whoever had that idea, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I absolutely love sunflowers. Um, so I'm going to take you through a PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to hope that you can hear me. Um, and we're just gonna go through some things and I'm gonna see if I can turn this on. Let's see if this is right. Oh, okay, thank you. Here she comes. Okay, I think I got it now. Yep, yeah, okay. So the mechanics of sex trafficking. Um, you, everybody wants to know how it works. I think you just heard. You just heard from Officer Human. This is how it works in our city. Um, the most common ways that girls are preyed upon, you know, are just like what he said. And these are false promises. It's a job offer. It's a family member. Um, it's a an, an intimate partner of some of some type. I don't think that I have ever met a woman that was um, sex trafficked that wasn't sexually abused as a child, that wasn't raped several times, and that had a penny to her name. I've never met a woman that was sex trafficked that had a penny to her name. So... I think that we're aligned in our our presentations today. Victims are conditioned in many ways, um, and and these are the most um, stringent, uh, obviously starvation, beatings and abuse, confinement, I I think I said rape, uh, threats of violence towards the victim or sometimes the family, and and often forced drug abuse. Uh, We come with addictions. And I can tell you that if I was a woman on the streets of Wichita, Kansas being trafficked, I'd have to have a drug to survive it. I would have to be numb. And that's what's happened to these women. They are addicted. And a lot of times their traffickers is the supplier of the drug. So they are dependent on that. Not all sex trafficking is highly visible, and I think that Officer Humans just done a beautiful job of explaining how this works in our city, and for that, I'm very grateful. We have never presented together, but I thought, what a beautiful thing. This is awesome. We should present together more often, I think. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and I I do think that, you know, uh, here we have unmarked brothels, you know, as, as someone being unsuspected, but I can tell you that, you know, our schools, women, are you know girls are trafficked in our schools uh often and uh, even our suburban neighborhoods I, I love it whenever somebody goes vicky that never happens in my neighborhood and i go yeah it does it really does uh, yeah i live i'm i'm a suburbanite i live in the suburbs and uh, i can tell you it happens it happens in every community um, victims face several barriers when they're trying to escape and um, there's confi- con- confiscation of their documentation and I just wanna let you know how important those documents are to us. Our birth certificate, our social security card. Uh, We can't even open a bank account in the city of Wichita until we get those documents uh, supplied to a woman. And we've got women right now that are going through that, trying to get their bank account open. Uh, Language barriers often fear, limited knowledge, often lack of money. So here's some of the facts that I've been given. And and Officer Human has his own uh facts. And I think that we're getting these from some of the same sources. Uh approximately twenty-seven million people a year trafficked worldwide for labor and sexual exploitation. And of these, 80% are female, 50% are children. And um and so he's right. That it rarely happens in males. It does happen in males. We at Raise My Head Foundation do not address the need for male male prostitution or, or uh rehabilitation for that, but I I think it's needed. Um, Approximately um, 30,000 people die each year while being trafficked for sex. Um, And in 2017, because we don't have the 2018 numbers yet, 4,460 cases of sex trafficking were reported in the United States um, alone. Beyond the physical abuse, victims suffer extreme emotional stress often, and, and many victims turn to drugs and alcohol to numb the pain, and I think I said that before, and I'd have to do the same thing. Chances are you'd have to do the same thing yourself if you were on the streets. Um, There is a need, a need for long-term trauma-informed care, and and we try to address that. And we're deepening our services at Raise My Head Foundation, even as we speak. Um, But shelter is a need. Women need a safe place to sleep. Uh, Nutrition. Uh, Medical treatment. I would even add dental treatment. I've never known a woman that came out of trafficking that didn't have a dental problem. Uh, Psychological evaluations, obviously counseling and and drug and alcohol treatment, but also uh, education programs. um, Trauma-informed care, um, codependency groups. um, We're starting a lot of those ourselves. And um, this is how we can help. Raise My Head Foundation is here to provide women breaking free from sex trafficking, a safe residence away from damaging influences where they can receive healing and restoration. And I can tell you the first thing that they need is a sanctuary, a safe place to lay their head at night. And you and I take that for granted. I take my bed at home for granted. These women don't take their bed for granted. These women are appreciative. I've never lived in an atmosphere of gratitude more than I have with Raise My Head Foundation. It's just a beautiful thing to see. Um, Our vision, uh, we envision an impact on the greater Wichita community as a result of empowering women who have suffered abuse and have lost their identity and their voice. Um, That's our vision, and I think we live it. I honestly think we live this every day. Uh, our, and we hope that this impact on the community would be a greater awareness of the cultural role of these abuses. Um, and we have a movement towards justice and healing and reconciliation. We say we heal, we empo- employ, and we empower women. That's what we do. I raise my head. Uh, we've adopted the hashtag love is greater. Love is greater than our fears. These have been expressed by the women. Love is greater than broken communities. Love is greater than the shame imposed upon us by our traffickers. Love is greater than the violence we come from. And love is greater than all the forces that drive the women to the streets. Um, We probably could fill in our own blank, right? Love is greater than, and you could fill in your own blank. Um, and, and so we're happy. Um, we have a couple of residents that I just want to highlight. Uh, Christy, uh, is with us. She's, a, she's not here today with us, but she's a second year resident. Um, she, um, since she entered the program, uh, she's completed her residential treatment for the Wichita, uh, women's recovery. Uh, center, so that's uh, WRC, is Women's Recovery Center here in Wichita. Uh, she came into the program in April of 2017. She'll graduate this year, April uh, 2019. Um, she graduated from inpatient and outpatient treatment. She's received new glasses. She started her bank account. She's got all of her documents in place. She's pursuing a high school diploma through the Chester Lewis Adult uh, Learning Center. Uh, she's a graduate of the CCHT, Pathway of uh, to Prosperity, Program it's through um, CCHT stands for Center for Combating Human Trafficking and it's actually a program led out of Wichita State University and they have a 13 week program and all of our women go through that program and um, that's what I love about having so many nonprofits in our community. You don't have to recreate the wheel. You can say who does that and you can call them. Uh, Wasec has a, a, a group for women uh, who have a history of being uh, sex trafficked, and they also had a yoga uh, class for the longest time, uh, and they may still have it today. And and so you can call people, and you can say, hey, I need this. And I guarantee you somebody in the city of Wichita does it. And so we don't have to recreate a lot of what we're doing. Um, we. Um, sh- Sister, uh, Christy was honored as a, a, a Sunflower Sisterhood uh, grant that we had, and she was honored as a recipient of that and got her computer, and she also got her uh, printer through that. Uh, she completed her fiscal lit- uh, literacy, financial literacy classes, and she continues to work in her AA 12-step program. When you first come into our program, you can't go anywhere by yourself for 90 days. You've got to go to 90 AA meetings in 90 days. If you miss one, you got to start all over again. Uh, and so far we have not had a woman miss one in the first 90 days Um, so uh, she's employed uh, at raise my head foundation Uh, she helps us a lot with our IT support and um, and uh, and she also is um, with us with uh, raise my head uh, through that employment Um, she'll plan to graduate this year but she'll still be eligible for employment Just because you graduate doesn't mean that you have to stop your employment with Raise My Head Foundation. I'm going to talk about employment here in a minute, but first I want to brag on Carol. Carol's here with us today, and and she has completed a lot of the same things um, that that Christy has completed. What I really want you to know about Carol is that she went through this program through WTI for um, medical billing and coding, and she will graduate from that program in March next month, and I am so proud of her. I just could not even tell you how proud I am. I, I tell you, um, these women, you know, they come to us, and, and, and this is what women tell me, and they ask me this all the time. Vicki, Vicki, Vicky, will I be able to talk about God to these women? That's what I want you to know. These women are going to bring God to you. You don't have to worry about bringing God to them. I find God every day, every single day that I'm with the women of Raise My Head Foundation. That's where I find him working the most. And he works in my heart, and I know he's working in theirs. Um, And I'm just so very proud of our residents. so um, three things that you have to be have to be successful in what we're doing. You've got to offer three things. You've got to offer a home, which is a sanctuary, and we do that. We have a home on Park Place, and we own that home. We don't own owe any money on it. Um, you've got to give them time to heal, and that's why we have a two-year program. A lot of our programs in the city of Wichita are 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. Now, this is what I used to say. I used to say those programs don't work, but I've changed my verbiage because really my narrative is, yeah, they do work. They help a woman get sober. They give a woman an opportunity to take that first step to us because you've got to be 90 days free of drugs and alcohol before you're eligible to come into our program and you've got to be over the age of 18. you have to have a history of being trafficked and you have to uh, commit to a two-year program you cannot bring any children with you and i can guarantee you every single resident we've had have children women have children and women lose connection with those children Uh, and at some point during this two-year period, they begin to heal enough to connect again with those children. And those children are trying to connect with them if they're healthy, if they're healthy. And so if you can see just two dynamics of two healing processes coming together eventually, eventually, even if it's not in the two years that a woman's with us, eventually that connection will happen. And I'm very thankful to God for that. I don't do that. God does that. Um, And then we also offer a socioeconomic component. If you don't have that third component, if you don't have what's right back there on that table, these are are products made by the women, created by the women, um, packaged by the women, sold by the women. Uh, If you don't have that in your program, then your program's going to fail. Because the minute that these women graduate from your program, they're going to go right back to the streets because that's what they know. That's exactly what they know. And they're going to go right back to what they know. So you've got to give them an opportunity to get employed. We pay them $15 an hour. Um, and uh, and they they hang with us through thick and thin. They're constantly bringing us new ideas for products and we have uh, relaunched our e-commerce site on our website. So please, before you leave today, please buy a product from the women because I think you're going to love it. It is uh, natural, all natural products. Um, there are no preservatives added to our products there's no water in our products and when you add water to a product you automatically have to add a preservative right because it it will mold t- over time and so our products you'll see are made of like two or three ingredients and i think it's just a beautiful thing of what they're doing um we believe that there should be a sanctuary, based on the idea of community for women on the streets who are ready to take this life of freedom and health, and we stand as a witness to the truth that in the end, love is more powerful than all the forces that drive a woman to the streets. Um, And like I said, if a community can allow this to happen, a community can make a difference in providing a solution and bring the women home. We read a book every Friday morning at community (laughs) meeting It's called Find Your Way Home, and it's 24 principles that uh, have been adopted um, by us and our sister uh, programs around the nation, and we read from it every single Friday. And when we get done with that book, we turn right around and start page one again, and we read right through it again. We rehearse it, and we rehearse it, and we rehearse it. So that is Raise My Head Foundation. If you would like to hear from one of the women, I don't... Make them talk, I, but I can tell you that a lot of people want to hear them talk because they want to hear from the women a whole lot more than they want to hear from me. So, um, if, if there's anybody here that would want to talk, because I haven't asked them yet this morning, um, then I think that you could you'd be welcome to come to the podium. <laughs>
2: Um, first of all, I, I give God praise and, and, and honor and glory for this opportunity. Um, my heart is really overwhelmed. I'm feeling some type of way. Um as I sit here and I listened to the officer's presentation and I listened to it, how what you what your opening statements was, it it brought a lot of things back home. Um and I can identify with everything that's being said. Um me myself raised being raised, sexually abused, raped, you know um, emotionally verbally abused the whole nine yards um my emotions are all over the place and um it's not that i, I I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself I'm really sitting here today and I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity that I got through raise my head because my addiction uh, my drug addiction stems 33 years. Um I am the oldest of all of these women here, kind of like the mother but um I have been around, done enough, been damaged enough, but I'm healed today because of one God's grace and his mercy, and two, because of this program um when I first heard about the program, I was in women's recovery center um and my counselor had talked to me about this program, and you know. She stressed to me the point that I could get healed. I could get find some healing. Um, I could get the counseling and, and the therapy that I needed, which I never had, and I say that because um, at eight years old, you know, things started happening, and that I never told anybody. And in my community, we don't talk about stuff like that. It goes up under the carpet. Nobody needs to know your business. So you walk around with all that hurt, that guilt, that shame, that embarrassment, resentment, and fear. So I walked around like that for many, many years. So when I went to uh, women's recovery center the first time in 2015, they asked me, "Did I have a mental health problem?" And I told them, "No." Nothing's wrong with me, but that was a lie. There was a mental health issue. There were things going on that I didn't know how to talk about, that I was afraid to talk about because I didn't want to be judged, you know, because I was already told I was ugly, I was black, I was not going to be anything, I was no good, and I'd never be any good. And all I was good for was for a man to use me. So why would I tell you that I got issues? And so that went on and on. Anyway, moving up to date. <laughs> 2017, uh, July, I went back to WRC, that was my second time, Um, but when I went this time, I knew it was different. I was ready to quit getting high, I was ready to stop using drugs, I was ready to stop being used and and I was stopped, I was ready to stop abusing myself because nobody did anything to me that I didn't allow them to do you got to let somebody hurt you. you know, and people just don't hurt you. You have to let somebody in. And I was tired of letting people in that were doing me more harm than they were doing me good. But the main person that did their self-harm was me. And it was because of my thinking and of my lack of love and my lack of support and the lack of self-confidence and the lack of self-esteem and the lack of trust. And that out, out of all the things, trust and love are the main two things that any person needs to sustain in life. If you don't trust anybody or you don't know what trust is, how are you gonna you know, uh, convey what you feel? How are you gonna you know, share anything about you if you don't trust them because you've been hurt so many times? How are you gonna be positive when everything you've done or has been done to you is negative? It doesn't work. So you gotta have a transition. So I came to raise my head and the first thing they did, Vicky gave me a key and I looked at her and I was like, what are you doing? You know, you don't do you don't do stuff like that. You don't give people like me keys just on the first meeting. You don't give me keys. You know that doesn't happen in my world. If somebody does something for me, I had to do something back. So it was never. I just gave it to you out of love. I just gave it to you because I want you to have it. It was always I had to do something in return. So then I got her phone and I'm like, "You white people are crazy," you, you know. <laughs> I'm a drug addict. You don't do stuff like that, (laughs) you know? And she looked at me and she said, you'll be okay. I'm like, yeah, okay. When's the shoe gonna drop off the other foot? And then, you know, I got a bank account and then it was just a whole army full of women that don't share, did not share my background, but what they had that I didn't have was love. What they had that I didn't have was a spirit to fight and to survive. What they had, I didn't have. They gave to me. They taught me how to be strong. They taught me how to face my fears. They taught me how to stand up and find my voice. And that's what I did, I found my voice. Um, I went to therapy and I did a lot of counseling and did a lot of outpatient and uh, (coughs) this is God. Because by no means possible, I'm going to be a poster child or be standing up here <laughs> um, sharing my story because I could never do that before. But I'm not ashamed about anything that I've been through because I've been through all of that to get to where I am today. And today I'm a whole woman. Today I'm a healed woman. Today I'm a blessed woman. I'm a woman with a vision, and I'm a woman with that is resilient. So...
0: So if you ladies don't mind standing, obviously this is Carol, we have Jessica and April. Just give them a big round of applause. Ladies, you are strong, and love is greater. And we want you to leave today feeling loved and changed because you've changed us. We do not ever charge for events um, at Eastminster like this, and there's a reason. This is a mission partner that we feel passionate about. And they have brought the items, the bath items, that they sell and they make um, in their homes that they live in, and um, this is an opportunity for you to bless them by supporting them, and the ladies are going to have these items back there. If you don't want a bath item, there's some t-shirts and other ways that you can support, or if you just want to give a donation. um, Those are all ways that you can help, Um, and if you have other interests, Vicky's here, and I'm sure would love to talk to you as well. I just want to let you guys know that um, I thank you for coming, for being interested to hear. Um, We didn't give a whole lot of information about what we were talking about on purpose, because it was so much. How could you phrase it in something that got people's attention and made them want to come? I hope that you will take this information and continue to talk about it in your circle of friends. I hope that you will take this information to the people who have kids. And you will talk to them about their kids, their phones, the social media. And I hope that we'll just help embrace the kids that we have here in this church. We have a lot of families here. And we have a lot of families who have got really good kids. But we know from Detective Human that really good kids are just as able to do really bad things. So thank you so much for coming today. Uh, please leave your dishes. We'll get all of those. Um, but please stop by the table. And if you'd just join me in a closing prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your forgiveness. I thank you for the grace that you give us every day. I thank you for the love that you have for us, that you gave so much of yourself for sinful people like us. Lord, we all sin, and we all have sin, and we all need to repent to know that we're stronger with you than without. Lord, I thank you for people like Vicki who have a vision to create a foundation, to rehabilitate women, to let them heal, to know that they're loved. I thank you for people like Detective Human who just want these kids to get out of this life. And God, I thank you for the women in this room who wanted to know more, who said yes and came. Thank you for providing us an opportunity to be different than we were this morning when we walked in. Lord, we thank you for all of the blessings that you give to us, and we take none of it for granted. We hope to honor you in all the things that we do as we go about our lives and share that blessing with others. In your name, amen. Thank you very much. One final thing I want to bring up is you do have a little flyer on your tables um, about the women's retreat. Westminster Woods holds a women's retreat this year. It's the first weekend in April. Uh, Gretchen and I, and uh, Teresa's here too, I know, Uh, We can tell you that this is probably one of the most fun weekends we have ever done last year. If you want to go, please, there's information here about how to register. The kiosks out front have also got the registration forms as well. So please join us up at the woods. Thank you.